Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. I went into prayer and for some reason I said, God, I just really ain't into my routine today. I just need to know some things. I need to know why. I want to ask you some questions, Lord. I want to know why my theology supersedes my reality. (laughs) Y'all are going to have to overlook me today because God's going to let you in my prayer closet. I want to know what's the gap between what I know you're able to do and what I actually see you doing. Can I tell you it's okay to ask God the hard questions? Amen. And that was where I started off. God, I just really need to know because it's not that I, my faith is wavering because I know you're God. The devil can't take that from me. I know you're able to. But I really need to know what's the disconnect between your ability and my connecting with that ability. Maybe it's been in your mind and you just hadn't been bold enough to ask it. And maybe you're not hungry enough to even wonder. Or maybe you don't believe God is so able to do that kind of stuff that you never even ask these questions. But if this Bible is true, I submit to you there is a disconnect between what we believe and the reality we live in every day. Would you agree? This was my prayer time. And God began to answer my question. So I believe today, it's important for me for you to take some notes and write some scriptures down because the Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. Is that not right? It didn't say the kingdom was coming to you. It, It says the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is the domain of God. It's everything God is, right? It's everything God is. When Jesus said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. So in other words, there are some keys that are needed to unlock the kingdom that is already within you. And I am convinced whether you receive this message or not, it's a key that God gave me to unlock the kingdom that's already within us. I pray that you'll receive that. Uh, Josh is going to start us up in 1 Peter 1 and 6 if you want to begin to turn there if you still use a Bible and not your phones or whatever. But I want you to listen to this scripture. And listen close. I hope you can listen and turn at the same time. God says in Isaiah 48.10, that's what I want you to do, write them down. Write the scriptures down if you will. Uh... Isaiah 48, verses 10 and 11. God says, behold, thank you, Josh. Behold, I have refined you. Are you listening to me? Not the devil, not people, not anything of any entity whatsoever. But God said, I have refined you. To refine means to purify, to cleanse by way of adversity or fire. God said, I have refined you, but not with silver. And I have chosen you where? I didn't choose you off the mountaintop. You know that place that you feel the most comfortable when you come to praise and worship and everything's glorious? 
When the presence of God is so strong in the sanctuary, you can't help but worship. Amen. When you're walking through your house and think about Jesus and tears come through your eyes. When you'd rather watch a TV preacher than Hallmark. Are y'all listening to me? You know, when you would rather put it on a Christian radio station rather than the rock and roll or hip-hop or country or whatever you're... Pre- you know what I'm saying? No season. He said, I didn't choose you when honey was flowing out of your cabinets. I chose you and I picked you in the hottest, most difficult, trying time of your life. Because I can't tell what your character is when everything's going your way. Your character can only be manifested when all hell is coming against me. And he said, that's where I choose my people. Behold, I have chosen you in the furnace of affliction. And he said, I've chosen you for my own sake. I've chosen you for my name, my reputation, and advancing my agenda, not yours. I'm just letting you into my prayer time. He said, for my own sake am I going to do it, and this is why. For how should my name be polluted, and I will not give my glory to another. I'm doing it to you for your own good, because when you start walking in my purpose, you're going to be elevated to such a level that it could spurn pride. Amen. Uh, uh, And and so he said, so I got to put you through some stuff. So when I start using you on the degree you really want to be used, you'll always say, it's God. You'll always bow out when they start applauding you. Oh, my God. I don't know if y'all ready for this this morning. Amen. He said, and he said, because I'm not sharing my glory with you. And if I don't prep you before the purpose, the purpose will produce pride. So I'm going to refine you. And I'm going to purge out of you everything that looks like you and acts like you so that when the glory comes, you're going to deflect it to me instead of eclipse it with you. Is anybody listening to me? Okay, now let's go to my scriptures. And today we're going to remain seated because we don't normally do that here. We usually stand for the reading of the word because I'm going to preach my text as we go. Is that all right? 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 6. I covet the prayers of Life Church this morning. Verse 6 says, Wherein you greatly rejoice. <laughs> and I started in the midst of a text to get my, or context to get my text. He's talking about the glory that's going to be revealed in all of us. He said, wherein you greatly rejoice, but now for a season. Somebody say, for a little while. But now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. What a powerful scripture. Amen. He said, you're rejoicing on what's coming, and I I applaud you for that. He said, but right now you're in a season of heaviness. And heaviness means To be distressed or caused to grief. It means sadness. Now I ain't going to say much this morning, but I'm going to talk to half of this congregation. It means to be in dullness of spirit. Can somebody just wave a little if your spirit's been a little dull? Thank you for your honesty. Dullness of spirit. Almost depression. I don't like that word, 
But that's what this heaviness means. Almost a state of depression. It actually means dejection or just cast down in your mind. Amen. He said, right now you're in a season to where you're just cast down in your mind. Amen. With a grief. With a sorrow that maybe you can't even put your finger on it. And maybe you have the circumstances that warrant it. I don't know. But he said, but for right now, you're in a season. Amen. And what really blows me away about this scripture is he says, if need be. In other words, it's necessary. (laughs) I need you to grab your neighbor and shake them and say, I don't know what you're going through, but it's necessary. Now, I don't, know how, I don't know how to preach this sermon this morning, so I'm broken. I came in the foyer this morning in tears begging my people to pray for me. They thought I were kidding. I said, no, no, you don't understand. I need prayer. I need prayer because this is too big for me, and it's too personal to me. And I pray that my vulnerability makes it personal to you. But he said, though now you are in dullness of spirit, you're in distress, you're in grief right now because of certain situations and circumstances that are beyond your control. He said, but it's necessary. It's necessary because I'm the refiner and I don't do anything that's not necessary. I don't do anything that is not for your benefit. I don't do anything that's not going to produce the peaceable fruit of righteousness and holiness and faith in your life. And he said, you're in heaviness, and this is why, through manifold temptations. That means various or or diverse forms of adversity. I'm talking to some people this morning by Facebook and in this congregation that ain't got one problem. Huh? My God, matter of fact, if you only got one problem, you ought to get up and lap the building and quit feeling sorry for it. If you only got one problem, you ought to be applauding right now and praising God. Amen. Are you listening to me? If you got one problem, you ought to prop your bottom lip up with the word of God in praise and thank him for his goodness. Because I'm talking to some people who is fighting various manifold trials and tribulations. Amen. It wouldn't be so bad if I could face this direction. I might could win it. But it's hard, amen, when I'm fighting this way and there's something coming from that way that I can't defend myself of. Who am I preaching to in this place? If it was just one child, one relationship, one financial problem, one health problem, it would be different. But it's a whole nother ball game when things are hurting here and here. Wouldn't be bad if I just got one phone call and one element of bad news. Amen. It wouldn't be bad. Amen. And not only am I dealing with what I'm dealing with, but I'm close to some people who's dealing with some things. Am I talking to anybody in this place? Amen. So these various manifold temptations are heavy. They're heavy. And I'm just going to be telling you the truth about it. My spirit's dull. Huh? I'm just going to say what you can't. That's all right. Y'all come into my prayer closet. Spirit's a little dull. Spirit's a little dull. I didn't say I lost faith. I said my spirit's a little dull. Amen? I just ain't got a real big spring in my step. I'm still stepping. 
But I ain't got spring in my step I had yesterday. He said it's necessary. Amen. And so I begin to ask God questions. And I'm just amazed at God when we'll get rid of our superficial prayer lives and just start saying, God, we got to talk. We got to talk about some things. I got to understand some things. Amen. I can't lead a congregation if I don't even understand what's going on. Amen. Why is my faith being tried so necessary? Well, tried faith is necessary because, this is why I want you taking notes, because the Bible says this is that which overcomes the world, even your faith. This is that which overcomes the world, even your faith. Not your gift, not your talent, not your social standing, not your money, not your popularity, but your faith. Oh, my God. Our ability to trust God in spite of. Nothing but faith overcomes the world. Thank God you're gifted. Thank God you can sing. But let me talk to somebody who has sung till you sung out and the song didn't get you out. <laughs> Amen. Thank God you're a prayer warrior and an intercessor. But I want to talk to somebody who has prayed till you prayed out, but you didn't pray your way out. Oh, is anybody listening to me? Amen. I want to talk to somebody who's got the gift of gab. And you have talked and talked and talked until you have talked your, until you have talked out, but you still ain't talked your way out. Amen. Isn't it funny to where trial and tribulation is no respecter of money? It's no respecter of social standing. You can't say to trial, you don't know who I am. Oh, I come to be real today. You can't say the sickness. You must have mistook me for somebody else. You can't tell the fever that plagues your child at night. Do you not understand I'm Dean Love? <laughs> These are my kids. You want to know why? Because trial and tribulation is no respecter of persons. And he didn't. He said, I don't care who you are or what your name is. None of that will overcome the world. Nothing overcomes the world but your faith. Your trust in God in spite of your situation and circumstance. Amen. It's your ability to trust. Nothing overcomes the world but faith. And catch this statement. And an untried faith is weak and vulnerable. Somebody ought to write that down. An untried faith is weak and vulnerable. This is that which overcomes the world, even your faith. What is the world? The world is not cosmos. It's not geographical location or, 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 or stratospheres or atmospheres. Amen. No world, amen, is mindsets. It's, it's psychic. Are you listening to me? Amen. It's temptations. It's the thoughts of the world, the thoughts of the devil, the thoughts of society. Amen. He said, he said nothing. The thoughts of culture, the, the thoughts of upbringing, the thoughts of your background, the thoughts of your forefather. He said there ain't nothing that will overcome that great big collage of things that are being shot at you but your faith. Oh, in one sense, come on, that's such good news to me. Because the poor man can stand right beside the rich man and have the same equipment to destroy the works of the devil. 
Oh, are you listening to me? Amen. That I can't reach in my billfold and solve my problem even if I had the money to. I got to reach into my spirit. Oh, is anybody listening to me? Amen. There is no higher than or lesser than. There is no greater than or lesser than in this kingdom because it's all generated and funded by the same element. It is called He said, so, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, my Lord, it's hot in this building, that the trial of your faith, that's okay, I'll fix it, that the trial of your faith being much more precious, here it is, listen, <coughs> That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold, than perisheth, that it may be tried with fire, might be found. Somebody shout found. Unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That word found there means to be discovered. It means to be revealed. It means to be discovered by testing. Now, I want you to notice something right now before we get into this sermon. Uh, I want you to notice that God likens the trial of your faith to a saying gold. Now, we don't use that word a saying, but when you take gold, if you ever watch Gunsmoke, when they take the gold in, they got to go to an assayer's office. And the gold is a saying. God likens your faith in the Bible more than once to gold. He likes it to the, likens it to the process in which gold is purified. He likens it unto a saying gold. And a saying is a testing, listen to me, to determine the quality, worth, or value of a precious metal. But the beauty of it is that when gold is put through the fiery furnace, its value is not diminished. Right? It's not diminished by the fire, but it's actually purified of its impurities and its value begins to rise. Are you following me? So if faith is likened unto gold, which cannot be destroyed, but rather enhanced by the fire, then if the fiery trial destroys our faith, then what we had was not faith at all. <laughs> it was at best a theological idea. It was a religious concept. <laughs> because the quality <laughs> or the quantity even of your faith cannot be found it cannot be discovered. It cannot be appraised to ascertain its true worth unless it's tried in the fiery furnace of affliction. You'll never know how much your faith is worth until it's put to the test. You'll never even know if you have faith at all until it's put to the test. A lot of us say, oh, I got faith. I know what God's able to do. And I believe as long as I'm standing on this side of the long-term sickness, 
As long as I'm standing on this side of adversity, I have a good idea that I am a believer. I have a good idea of faith. But God said, you don't even know what sort your faith is until I put it to the test. And if the fire destroys what you had, you had no faith at all. You had a religious idea. You had a concept because faith by nature is only purified by fire. It never diminishes it. Am I making sense to you? My, my second scripture in my text is James 1 and 12. It says, blessed is the man that endures what? It didn't say blessed is the man who got his miracle. Come on, I just got to be real to get to where we got to go. He didn't say to be envied and happy is the man who saw supernatural intervention. He didn't say to be envied is the man who saw financial breakthrough on a level that just blowed everybody's mind. Your Bible says blessed, happy, and to be envied is the man who has some endurance about himself when it comes to opposition in his life. Oh my God, this doctrine I'm preaching to you today is so foreign to the Americanized church, amen, that it's been killing me for two days now. And I said, I don't even know how the body's going to receive this gospel because we preach that everything's supposed to be going your way. You're supposed to have it your way when you want it, how you want it. And when you do, you'll raise your little hands and say he's a good God. When the Bible says, I envy that man who's standing, leaning into the wind, when all hell is coming again. He said, that, that is the man that heaven envies. Let me know if anything comes out. I'm sorry, my wife's not here to do that. <laughs> She's going to kill me. Blessed is the man who endures Blessed is the man who perseveres. Blessed is the man who stands when the contrary winds of opposition are blowing against him. Blessed is the man when he trekked the fever ten times and it ain't never changed. And he's still standing in the same faith he was standing in when he prayed the first prayer that the fever diminished. Blessed is the man, amen, who still has a heart for God when feelings and emotions have drained out of him like pulling the plug out of a bathtub blessed to be envied is the man that endures trial opposition the fiery furnace of opposition in his life why for when he is tried when he is tested when he is assayed when he has been put through the fiery furnace and tried, and the word tried there actually means when he has been approved. When he endures, he's then applauded by God. When he is approved, can anybody even receive that word? Because I'm so approved in Jesus Christ. Your Bible says that when a man is tried and he endures the opposition with his face still in attack, amen, he is approved by God. And when he is tried and approved and made acceptable by the beloved, he receives a crown of life, 
which the Lord himself shall give to them. I like one definition if you're taking notes for temptation means to try or prove the reality of your religion. (laughs) Oh my God, we got an Americanized gospel that's based on the entitlement programs of America. And our religion never gets put to the test because we got so many options. Your true faith never gets put to the test because you never put in a position to where there is no bread. There is no milk. God, is anybody listening to me? Amen. He said, your, your, your faith never gets in a position to be tried on the firm because there's always somebody. There's always something. Amen. So to be tempted means to try the reality of your religion. Oh, it's easy. I just love everybody. You know why you can say that right now? Because nobody's hurt you today. Oh, Jesus is just in me, and I got so much mercy, and I got so much grace, and I got so much long-suffering. Oh, yeah, let me come slap you. Let me prove the reality of what you just said you believe. Is anybody in this building with me this morning? Amen. The temptation tries the reality. It proves if you really are who you say you are. And see, here's the problem. You don't know you're not who you say you are because you believe you are who you say you are. So God has to put you in the fire to reveal who you really are. I knew this was going to be heavy. My next scripture, my text. First, Second Thessalonians 1 and 3. Are y'all still with me? We are bound. Oh my God, the Thessalonian church. Y'all got to study on them. They are the most phenomenal people in the Bible. Them Corinthians was a bunch of heathens. That Corinthian church was whacked. But this Thessalonian church was amazing. He said, Paul said, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren. As it is meat, because that your faith is growing exceedingly, listen, and your love for everybody is growing and abounding. So that, verse number four, so that we ourselves are glorying in you in the churches of God. Paul said, everywhere I go, I'm talking about you. Every church I go to, I'm talking about the Thessalonians. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God. And here's why we're glorying. We're not glorying because you're seeing signs, wonders, and miracles, which is where I'm headed to where we're going. Amen. I'm not telling everybody uh, of how y'all got Kool-Aid running out of your faucets and uh, uh, honey's running out of your cabinets. uh, And y'all are so rich and wealthy. Amen. He said, but I'm bragging on you because of your... Are Are you with me? I'm bragging on you because of your endurance and your faith in the midst of your. Are y'all getting the picture yet? Somebody say, we got to turn this thing. See, you're getting depressed over things heaven is rejoicing over. See, you're beating yourself up over things that Jesus is applauding you over. You're you're condemning yourself over things that the Bible is commending you over. Amen. Because you didn't, 
You're not walking in the victory you thought you ought to be walking in. Amen. You didn't get the prayer answered like you thought you ought to get it answered. And when you go into depression, amen, God's really saying, come on. Come on. Stand by faith. This is more commendable than the other. Oh, let's go deeper. We ourselves glory in you for your endurance and your faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you are enduring right now. Oh, oh and here it is. Here's, here's the apex. Which is a manifest, manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. That you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. For which you suffer. Oh my God, y'all got to read this. And you got to read it in every translation. Worthy means to deem deserving, fit, or entitled to. So in other words, in Paul's letter to... Remember I asked him why I'm not seeing the manifestation of the signs, wonders, and miracles on the level my Bible teaches. Okay? Stay with me. In Paul's letter to the church of Thessalonica, who was a fledgling church, it was a new church, and they were under severe persecution. They were enduring great affliction and opposition. He said these words. Amen. Give me four back, Josh. He said, we are bound to thank God for you. Bound. In In other words, we owe you a debt of gratitude and praise, Thessalonica. We owe it to you. We are bound by moral. We are bound by our own morals to give praise and thanksgiving for you. He said, it is meat. You, it's deserving and suitable that we not only praise and thank God for you, but that we acknowledge you because your faith is growing every day and your love for one another is abounding every day. And then he says something that is astounding. He said, the reason your faith is growing and your love for one another is growing deeper is because of the trials and the tribulations that you encounter. What? Trials and tribulations drives the American church apart. Trials and tribulation keeps you out of Sunday morning services and Wednesday night Bible classes. Trials and tribulations dictates how faithful I am to God and how faithful I am to the body of Christ. Amen. He's saying we owe you gratitude because everything you're going through is taking your faith to the next level and your love for one another is growing like nobody's business. Is anybody listening to me in this place? We are a bunch of Nitpicking, pacify sucking, milk toast, bottle warming Christians who needs our circumstances to prop up our egos. We need our brother to be at peace with us. We need everybody rolling out the red carpet so I can have a good worship service. Oh, is anybody listening to me? Amen. And he said, we want to commend you, church, because the more the devil throws at you, the more you cling to your brother. The more hell it comes against you, the more, uh, the deeper your faith gets. You want to know why? Because their faith was real. Are you following me now? A faith that's not real diminishes in the fire. 
But a faith that is real is enhanced because the fire purges it of its impurities. Can I go deeper? He said, as a matter of fact, <coughs> all the churches, all the churches are being encouraged and finding faith because of your endurance and unwavering faith in all your persecutions and tribulations. You know what I wanted to be? I wanted to be that church to where everybody's hearing that everybody's getting healed. I want to be that church where everybody's hearing that everybody's finances are taken care of. I, I want to be that church to where they said, man, we want to be a part of that church because if you go to that church, amen, the blessings of God are on your life. And Paul is using a church who's going through just the opposite. And he said, all the churches are being encouraged because y'all are standing in the midst of hell. You will not relent with all hell coming against you. Can you receive this doctrine I'm preaching today? He said, them other churches, you know why? Because the other churches were going through hell too. And they were saying, you know what? If they can stand in Thessalonica, we can stand over here in Asia. Amen. If, if they can stand through what they're going through, I wonder if God could use you to be an example of what you can go through if you believe in God. Uh, amen. I just wonder if he could use me to be somebody that they could use my life as someone who stood in the midst of adversity and say, that's faith like I've never seen it before. And if God can do it for them, he can do it for me. And we're wanting signs, wonders, and miracles. And our faith is as fragile as a daisy. God said, okay, big boy, you want some answers? Then give them to you. You think you've got faith. You get that. But I'm finna, I'm finna put you through something that's going to make you worthy. That's a big word in it. It's in your Bible. I'm going to put you through something to make you worthy to see the miraculous you want to see. And when I prayed on this and I thought of it and I have wept and I was in my office and my wife don't come in and bother me in my office but I was in such a mental state of trying to get a hold of what God was speaking to me. She heard me in my fetal weeping position and came in and said, are you okay I said, no, I'm not okay. And she began to pray over me because now I have the answers. Now I have the answers of what's required of me. And then when he really lifts our faith up to measure it, when you get mad, when we get mad, when the waiter takes too long. That was Kobe's message for all you Facebook people. We lose it in our temperance and we lose it when the telemarketer on the telephone talks to us the wrong way. Is anybody in this building today? I'm not preaching to everybody, but I am preaching to somebody who wants to step into the supernatural manifestation of the power of God. He said, you're not worthy to operate on this level when you are so fickle in your emotions. Oh, I'm sorry, all you visitors. Come back next week. Colby's preaching. He's so inspirational. <laughs> He's so awesome. <laughs> so when I begin to see the grand scale of it all, 
<laughs> I said there seems to be a great contrast between the 21st century church and the first church. It seems that today, if God don't move swiftly and immediately, to satisfy my every whim, right our every wrong, pacify our every carnal desire, heal our every ache, we have a hard time giving praise. Am I the only one or could I just get a witness right there? Amen. Oh, the contrast between the church in my Bible and the church in my community. Oh, the contrast between the church in my Bible and the church of which I pastor. Yeah, if he's not moving immediately and swiftly, if he didn't come when I spoke, if he didn't come when I whippered, if he didn't just really go before me and make the way before I even got there, you mean he really expects me to go through some stuff? You mean he really expects me to face some opposition? Amen. And that if it don't happen immediately and on my time scale, are you listening to me? We have a hard time praising and our faith is as fleeting as the morning dew. That it only lies there until sun rises and heat hits it. And all of a sudden what I was cherishing is now gone. But God in the scripture, is anybody praying for me? But, 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 but here in the scripture, even before there was a canonized scripture, even before there was a Bible to carry, even, though, even, even before there was a way to open up the scripture and find something that was relative to my situation, even before all of that, Paul said that the church abroad is being encouraged in their faith strengthening, not because of the absence of opposition, but rather they are finding encouragement in your endurance and your unwavering faith in the midst of extreme tribulation. Seems to me that we can't find a praise. I don't know, I'm just talking out loud. This is my prayer time. It seems to me that we can't find a praise or an applause unless Kool-Aid's running out of our faucets. Honey's running out of our cabinets. And Paul said to the Thessalonians, we're bragging on you everywhere. We're bragging on you everywhere. <laughs> I want to be a man of God. Don't you want to be a man of faith? He said, we're bragging on you guys. I could just say, you got a mental picture? I got a mental picture of them over in Thessalonica. They're being persecuted. They can't buy anything because they're Christians. And the city hates them because they're Christians. So they can't buy all, buy all for their lamps. So they're sitting at a table with a little bitty lamp. I mean a, a candle with a little bitty fire flickering. Amen. And they're trying to divide the little bread they have to feed, figure, uh, feed all them Jewish kids or Gentiles, whatever they may be. Amen. And they're reading the letter from Paul that says, I've been bragging on you guys. I've been bragging on your guys because hell hit your house. Amen. And there's more piety in your house than there is in the king's house. There's more reverence and honor and worship in your sick bed and in your depravity and in your persecution than there are in the church in Jerusalem. Oh my God, can you imagine how that daddy who wasn't able to supply for his kids because he was a Christian and they'd shut his business down? Can you imagine how he picked that letter up from Paul, got up and walked around the house with his chest poked out saying, kids, we on the right track. Our, world, our community may despise us, but heaven is applauding us because we have endured. We have went through. We're not sitting here saying, God, what about me? We're not feeling sorry for ourselves because my whims wasn't catered to and we still believe that God is worthy 
He's worthy of all thy praise. And then he makes a statement. In the next verse, Josh, he makes a statement that it's hard for me to choke down my theological gullet. That's my throat. I didn't know what to do with it. I did not know what to do with it when God gave me this scripture because I have an Americanized gospel just like you do. He said, we're rejoicing over your trials and tribulations and your persecutions which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Y'all are quiet this morning. Are you trying to tell me I'm going through what I'm going through? And God is the designer? I don't expect you to make any facial expressions whatsoever. Just go with me. I said, the King James Version missed it. I got to get the passion. Don't read the passion. I said, why have I never heard this preached? Why does not anybody not talk about this message? I'll tell you why. Because we live in America. And people are not drawn to adversity. They're drawn to popularity. We're not drawn to discomfort. We're drawn to comfort. And we have preached that God is concerned about your comfort. Can I tell you, God is not near as concerned about your comfort as he is your character. Because you can get into heaven in an uncomfortable state. But you cannot get into heaven without character. Isn't that what it's all about at the end of the day? Being right with God. Having the character of God. I'm amazed at people who's got jobs who talk so much faith till they lose it. Yeah, it goes to show you, we didn't have faith. We had a theological ideology that was based on Scripture. Until it hits my house. And then it reveals. Oh my God I didn't have faith. Do you understand how important that is for you to come to the point to where you might say. Oh my God I don't have faith. Because when Jesus comes. Ain't but one thing getting us in. And that's faith. Is anybody in this building with me? Let's go deeper before it gets too late. He said. All these tribulations, this scripture, keep it on screen, and persecutions that you endure is actually a manifest token or a sign of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. Now, worthy means to deem deserving, fit, or entitled to. Listen to this. Righteous judgment actually means, righteous means perfect. The perfect, unflawed, determined will or decision of God. He told them, 
what you're going through is actually the perfect, unflawed, determined will or decision of a perfect God. In other words, all these trials and tribulations you are enduring are the evidence of a perfect decision of God to be used to make you worthy or well-deserving or fit for the kingdom of God. Stay with me now. This is, this is doctrine you ain't never heard before. To make you fit or fitted or suitable for the kingdom of God. Now the scripture makes sense in the book of Luke. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit or worthy of the kingdom of God. He said a faithless man is not fit. A faithless man is not worthy. He doesn't have the moral constitution or the moral value to operate in this kingdom. In other words, God, y'all are so awesome. Stay with me. In other words, these trials are being orchestrated by God as the refiner and the purifier of your faith to ensure that you are properly fitted with a degree of character and moral excellence that is worthy of such a high and lofty kingdom and calling. God said, I'm working it for you. I'm working it for you. I'm not saying you're not saved because everybody in here is saved maybe, but not everybody in here is operating in the fullness of the kingdom. Am I right about it? It's not that we're not saved. Amen. We're seeing a whole lot more than we're operating in. So God says, I'm bringing trial and tribulation in your life to refine your character, to raise the value of your faith, to operate on the level that you've been asking me for. Oh my God. And can I tell you, nothing will refine the character of your faith and the moral constitution of the soul like the fiery trials which, been, which has been engineered by God. Now, I, I just got to lay some things to rest because I didn't even want to preach this because I don't have all the answers. Because some of you are sitting there thinking, do you mean God made me sick? Do you mean uh, God made me lose that child? Do you mean God made me? I don't have the answer to all those questions except this. I don't believe that God is actually the author of any of your sicknesses or any of your losses. But I do know if that's what's touching your life, he will take it and use it to refine a greater purpose in your life. The Thessalonians is the proof of it. He said this was the perfect decision. Because sometimes I decide for the situation to be changed and God in his perfect decision says, no, I'm going to use this situation to build something in you you didn't know you had. I, I'm going to take it. Oh, I'm going to take care of it. But I'm not going to take care of it like you want it taken care of on your time scale because what the devil sent, I'm going to take it. And when I get through with it, you're going to be pumped up like this. Your faith is going to be on a dimension that it could have never went to if the hell hadn't have come knocking on your door. Is anybody in this place, amen? I'm going to use it to bring glory to me. And what brings glory to me is when your faith is refined of all of its superficial aspects and there's nothing left but a dogged determination and a faith in God.
So I asked God, why? Here I am. I was raised saying you never ask God why. Here's my third why. Why fiery trials, God? Why fiery trials? And the answer is because I'm God. No, I'm kidding. That's what I always told Josh. Because I'm the dad, that's why. <laughs> but God, God's a little smarter than me. Why, why, why you got to use fiery trials? Why do you got to use opposition in my life to refine my faith? Here's the reason why. Because fiery trials are characterized <coughs> by situations and circumstances that are beyond your strength, your control, and your ability to endure or maintain. Therefore, affording you the opportunity to forsake your strength are y'all okay? Therefore, affording you the strength or affording you the opportunity to forsake your strength, your ability, and put your trust in God's strength and His ability. God said, if I don't bring you to the end of you, you never have the opportunity to step into me. That's why a fiery trial constitutes anything that I can't control. It constitutes anything that presses me beyond my mental capacity to be able to cope with. Is anybody in this building? A fiery trial, amen. There is nothing no more painful, repelling, or destruction to this flesh than fire. It's no wonder he didn't use the, the terminology of fire. He said, the reason I have to use fiery trials, he said, because the fiery trials of God are designed to reveal to you your total inability to deal with the crisis at hand, which is God's way of getting you to convert to another source outside you. If you don't know what's going on when all the presence leaves you, has anybody had the presence ever leave you? Now, we know God's always everywhere. I'm talking about the tangible, when I feel God, I can hear God, right? You know, everybody knows if you've been a Christian very long, amen, and you lose your passion, you lose your zeal, you lose your desire. You know those seasons you go through? See, we've never understood them, so we've never been able to embrace them. We didn't know that it was God pulling those things back to enable us to walk through the fiery trial of the absence of the glory to build character in us, and we go to questioning our minds, we go to questioning God. Is anybody in this place with me? Amen. God, where you're at, why you're not talking, why am I not feeling you? When all around, God said, it's the season to refine your faith. And because, how many of you right now would ask this question, hey man, have, are tired of going around the same mountain? How many of you are tired of stumbling over the same emotions? Huh? Come on. 
Same emotion. I ain't even preaching to some of y'all. Y'all so far out there in left field. Amen. Same emotions. Amen. How many in your mind right now, without even answering this question, would say to yourself, you know what? I ought to be further than this by now. I ought to be stronger than this by now. I ought to be more mature than this by now. Amen. You want to know why? You've never understood the doctrine I'm preaching today. And when these whims come into your life, instead of embracing them and saying, I'm going to worship him in the midst of the storm. Are you listening to me? You fell back into depression and so the fire could not work. Oh God, are y'all hearing your pastor today? So you're still a baby. Your emotions are as fickle as a popsicle on a hot summer sun. Oh my God, are y'all, I'm just telling y'all everything God told me. You sitting in here with your perfume on and our Christian looks on, amen, only to get out that door and let somebody push you the wrong way or something go wrong in your home or you to have a flat tire when you get out there. Are you listening to me? And our attitudes go straight to the top. Am I preaching to anybody in this place? I'm a believer. Oh yeah? And then want to go into prayer and ask God, where's the signs, wonders, and miracles? I want to lay hands on the sick and them recover. This is what God did to me in my prayer closet. Next week, y'all going to be saying, Pastor, keep your prayer closet in your prayer closet. No, no, no. What you're going through right now was designed by God and orchestrated by God to get you to convert. See, some of you are in prolonged situations because you refuse to convert. I got to maintain. I got to keep my faith. Are you listening to me? And the fire just keeps getting hotter because the fire is designed to make you know you can't think right. You can't act right. You can't do right. Are you listening to me? You can't get your joy back. You can jump in church all you want to, but you can't get your passion back. He said, I'm not trying to destroy you. I'm trying to get you to convert your elementary faith into my strength. No wonder. That's why I go, God told Paul, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And if I don't break you down to the lowest common denominator, you never get to step into my strength. Can I encourage somebody right now? Quit fighting it with your own strength and convert. How do I know when I'm fighting it with my own strength? When you go around that mountain again. Well, I lost it all. I just lost everything I was fighting for. I'm just depressed today. Oh, my God, if you understood, it was God said, no, I'm the refiner. And I put you, and you got up from there and said, you know what? I'm not depressed today. I praise God. Job said, he's, and, and, and you ain't even got to understand it all. Are y'all listening to your pastor this morning? You ain't even got to understand it all because Job didn't understand it all. He, he said that. He said, he, but there's one thing he did understand. That it was a trial. That's all he needed to know. He said, I looked in front of me and I couldn't find God. I looked behind me, I couldn't find God. I couldn't find him on the left and the right. I'm not preaching to everybody, but I'm talking to somebody who has sought diligently to find God. And you have not been able to find him in your miracle. But Job said, I can't find him anywhere. But nevertheless, when I'm tried, I will come forth as pure gold. Right now, I'm preaching to somebody. That's the only thing going to get you through. See, the devil's got us focused on trying to make it through by our own strength. When God said, I'm trying to create a new conversion in your life. 
to where you quit depending on you. So I'm going to keep depleting you until you ain't got nothing left. Huh? Does anybody feel like this right now? All the time we're rebuking the devil and God's pushing. He said, no, I'm just trying to get you to your purpose. I'm trying to, to create a faith in you that is worthy of the calling I have for you. Let me get, let me get a few more scriptures in you. I'm not going to finish this. This is still in my text that normally I would read. First, Tim, First Peter 4.12. Write these scriptures down. It says, Beloved, think it not strange. I'm sorry, I didn't give them to you. Beloved, listen to this. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Anybody ever felt there? Man, this is just crazy. I don't understand what's going on in my mind right now. I was just rejoicing last week. Now I'm in borderline depression. That's okay. Y'all can look at me like that, but I'm helping somebody. Last week we were swinging them from the rafters, giving prophetic words in front of the church. Today I don't even know if I know Jesus. This is crazy. This is strange. Peter said, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice. Are y'all with me? This is the first church. Rejoice that you are partakers of Jesus' suffering so that his glory could be revealed in you. He said, don't get bewildered. Don't get nervous like something foreign's happened to you. Don't get bent out of shape like something out God, outside of God's will's happened to you right now. It's the work of your beloved Father raising the quality of your faith. It's the beloved Father fitting you for your intended purpose. It's Him preparing you for what He called you to do. Now scriptures that you always laughed at make sense. Like the one in James chapter number 1. Brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various different kinds of trials and tribulations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith produces endurance. Have you ever noticed, a couple of you was kind of telling me, have you ever noticed how short our endurance is? I can put up with you a little while. Somebody ought to wave at me or say amen. I can put up with you a little while. But after a while, you get on my nerves. I don't know why I was looking at you, Kobe. <laughs> I'm just trying to look at you so I don't look at nobody else. Can I get a witness? I can put up with pain a little while. I can put up with hardship a little while. I can put up with lack a little while. You know how long I can put up with it? As long as my strength will allow me. And some people have more constitution than others. But sooner or later, you're going to run out. You're going to run out. So God said, I bring trials and tribulations in your life 
Because that's the only thing that will produce endurance in your life to where you become long-suffering. That's why we're sharp with waitresses. That's why you're sharp with your spouse. That's why you're sharp when people don't jump to what you want, when you want, how you want it. It's a reflection of your faith. We can't endure anything. And we're wanting to operate in the kingdom of God. He said you don't possess a level of faith that is worthy for that level of ministry. And I can't get you there because every time I bring a fiery trial in your life, you go to tipping out looking for another church. You want to change relationships. You want to get mad at God. Oh my God. This is real this morning, isn't it? If nothing else today, I want to destroy the thought that you could ever blame God again. Because it's not his fault. It's because we have not been able to count it all joy when I get put in a tight place so that God can produce some endurance in my life. He's saying these trials, and, and look, it goes on to say, know this, the trying of your faith produces endurance. But let this endurance have its perfect work that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. I need you to look at your neighbor right now and tell them, let it work. Quit fighting against it and let it work. Quit blaming God and let it work. Quit getting mad at your spouse and let it work. Quit moving your letter to another church and let it work. Is anybody in this place? Let it work. But because you've never heard this doctrine preached, you never let it work. And we stay in an immature state of faith. I'm not saying we're not going to heaven. Amen. But we never get to access heaven on earth. Because we have such an immature faith. I don't want to close because i got a lot more scriptures. But I want to, uh, I want to close with this. I want to close with this. Remember, I started this teaching this morning with me in my prayer closet asking God, why can I see it so clearly? I have a study I've been in two weeks ago. I went into an in-depth study on the healing, supernatural, signs, wonders, and miracles. I got a teaching that, that it, I guess it wasn't for you, it was for me. And proved to myself there should be no kingdom gospel without the manifestation of the supernatural miracles. I can prove it to you by scripture. I proved it to myself. So I had all that study in me saying that God should always be confirming his word with the supernatural. Signs, wonders, and miracles. It's there. You can't refute it. So I had all that in me and then I went to God and said, why can I see it so clearly but there's people in my church dying. Why can I see it so clearly? And there's people in my church down in Baton Rouge with a something in her arm with radiation pouring into her body. 
Why can I see it so clearly that that's not your will, but I don't have the power to bring your will into this? That was my questions. And God showed me a principle that I'm just going to throw out here and let you chew on it, and you can take it, leave it, believe it, not believe it. But your Bible teaches that the Old Testament is the types and the shadows of the New Testament, right? Not the reality, but the types and shadows. It's like I'm standing here and there's my shadow. Here's the reality. There's the shadow that is a perfect figure of the reality. He said that's what the Old Testament is. So I can almost look at the shadow and determine where the substance is. And he reminded me of this, and I'm closing with this. That Moses was one of the greatest leaders of all time. The greatest man of God, one of the greatest men of God that ever walked. But when it got time to go into the promised land, he could not access it. So God said, but I love you. And you are a man of God. But you don't have the quality of faith to access what you've been praying for for 80 years. He said, so I'm going to take you to Mount Nebo. They were finna go into the promised land. He said, I'm going to take you to Mount Nebo and I'm going to let you stand up on the mountain and I'm going to let you look at all the promises. You're going to, and, he, and supernaturally he could see it, your Bible tells. And Nebo means prophetic, meaning I'm going to give you a prophetic view of everything I designed for you. You're going to get to stand up there and you're going to get to look at every bit of it and you're going to know in your mind, that's for me. He said, but you're not going in because you failed the faith test. You smote the rock when I said, speak to the rock. And God said to me, this is where the majority of my church is. We're standing on Mount Nebo. And we're seeing all the supernatural things we know Jesus paid for. But we're going to die on Mount Nebo and never access all of this if we don't pass the faith test. If we don't allow him to purge our faith, to come to the place to where I can access everything that belongs to me. That's why I was in my office weeping. That's why I walked in this foyer today and said, y'all got to pray for me. Because I don't know if you accept this message or reject it. I know what it's done to me. Because I used to think if I prayed more and harder and fasted harder, I could see it. And prayer and fasting produces faith. But now I've come to the realization I can pray and fast myself up to a, a shrivel up. But if I don't allow the trials and the tribulations to perfect my faith and I stand and lean into the wind, that was last week's sermon. And, 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 and I use opposition as my sparring partner. 
to produce a degree of character in me that takes my faith to another level, I'm going to die knowing that was mine. I don't know about y'all, but that's not acceptable. I want to pray for you right quick. I don't know how to get an altar call because this is just really some kind of a service. But I want to throw something out to you to let you know that a lot of things you're blaming on the devil is really God trying to take you to the next level. And a lot of things the devil may have done, God will take it out of his hands and use it to make you a man of God. That's why people quote the scripture, all things work together for the good. God don't call cancers. God will jerk it out of the devil's hand and use it to make you an instrument of his glory. And when I began to think about all this, I found another scripture. Isn't it amazing how you can think you know the Bible and things start jumping out to you? I found another scripture, Fluky, where Paul wrote to the church and said, I hear that there's divisions and fractions and cliques among you. And in the next scripture, he said something else I had trouble sticking down my theological gullet. He said, this is necessary so the true people of God and their faith can be revealed. God said, I know there's division in the church. I let it come so that those who really have faith, you'll be able to tell who they are because they're not the ones splitting the church. They're not the ones offended. They're not the ones talking about their brother. He said, I, I let them come to reveal some things. Do you know God causes division sometimes in church? And somebody said, they're quoting, I'm not, God's not the author of division. All of God's is orchestrated and it's part of the refining fire. He'll, he'll let it come to reveal your ugly spirit. And reveal those who are mature enough to say, it's okay, we're not going to be divided. We're going to worship God. We're going to love God. I got to quit, but I didn't get back to my text scripture. Blessed is the man who do endure temptation. For when he's tried, a crown is going to be put upon his head. If you don't start letting trials work for you, you'll not be able to fall down at the feet of Christ and throw your crown at his feet. Because the crown represents an overcomer. And may I submit to you, we don't have to overcome the devil. He's been overcome. you got to overcome you. Blessed is the man who stands against all these feelings and emotions that's trying to make you ugly. Because God said, I'm going to crown him with life, meaning you have conquered your spirit. You have conquered your emotions. You are wearing a crown of life. You have conquered life. And Jesus said in the book of Revelations, to them that conquers and overcomes, I'm going to let you sit with me in my throne just like I overcome and is sitting in the throne of the Father. If you want to reign and sit in the throne with Christ and demand sickness to be removed and demons to flee, we got to overcome me. Stand with me all over this place. Today, but nobody moving. 
today. Chances are you've been preached a doctrine you've never heard. Because you have been preached an Americanized gospel that everything's about you and your comfort and your safety. I started recognizing this on my first trip overseas to a third world country when all of a sudden I realized there's a lot of stuff we preach and throw out that I couldn't preach in Africa because I was preaching for people who didn't have homes to live in, shoes to wear, water to drink, food to eat. So I couldn't go over and preach if God's pleased with you. All your needs are going to be met and you're not going to have any problems. And all of a sudden I realized I must not be preaching the true gospel. Because if my gospel is not universal, it's not the gospel at all. We have taken scripture out of context and created another Jesus that bows to you in worship instead of you bowing to him in worship. He's your, he's your uh, valet. We've created a Jesus that's your valet. He parks your car, brings you your keys instead of him being your Lord. And that whatever you decide to do with me, Lord, is fine by me. If you decide to take me through, and this is going to be part two of this sermon. If you decide to take me through trial and tribulation so that I can be a consolation, 2 Corinthians, I think, chapter number two. That's fine by me because I present my body unto you a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. So take me any way you want to, but know this, God, I'm going to honor you and acknowledge you wherever I go. So I need you to take a minute in prayer. If you're here in this place and you don't know Jesus, these altars is always open to you. <coughs> but this preacher has just shared a key with you that God shared with me. The reason you keep circling the mountain is because you did not let the fire work. The reason you haven't grown and are not seeing what you really, it's in you to see it, is because you had trouble converting from my strength and my ability to the ability of God. And I can stand before you as your pastor right now because my prayer and my mindset, Josh, has been if we could just be that church to where people's needs are met, if we could just be that church, and I know all that's the will of God, but you got to stay in this flow right now. If we could just be that church to where they know if they could get there, they could be healed. If we could just be that church. I want all of that. But I stepped into another dimension and said, God, I want to be that church. That no matter what you decide for life, church, I want them to say there's one thing about them. They stand on what they believe. They don't lose their integrity. They don't shout at waitresses. They'll give the last dollar. And they'll worship without a dollar. 
Does anybody feel my spirit? I don't know how to tell you to pray. Maybe you need to start questioning God. I did. But the difference between me and some people, I never questioned his character. I questioned his counsel. And he said, well, come. Come on, come on, Job. Let's talk about this. And when I got through with this study, I was so broken that my faith is so immature. Just close your eyes all over this building, if you will. I, I don't know what to tell. I think you're speechless as I am. I, I, talk, talk to him. Talk to him. If you can't say nothing else but God, help me digest this. Help me digest this. I just gave Life Church, the Holy Spirit just gave Life Church the key to stepping into this kingdom and demanding demons to bow with a faith that has so much value because it's been tried by the fire and found worthy of this kingdom. Maybe your prayer ought to be right now, I, I, I will not be Moses. I will not die on the prophetic word of what could have been. I'm going in. I'm going in. And I don't know if this makes sense to you while you're praying, but I almost found myself today praying, God, send the trial. Send the trial. Send the trial so I can be purged. Send it, Lord. I think I can handle it better now. Send the fire in my life because now I understand it. I can embrace it. Now I understand, James. Now I think I can count it joy. When my emotions are a wreck, I think I can now because I understand. You're preparing me. While you're praying, man, this is going long. I know it, but I can't break it right now. While you're praying right there, the Holy Spirit says there ought to be a level of shame. If we could really see the immaturity of our faith, there ought to be a level of shame that makes me say, I should be stronger than this. And my temper is so easily roused. My disposition is so easily changed. I should be better than this. My God, if that's you along with me, let that be your prayer right now. Lord, Lord, let me embrace the fire. Teach me endurance, Father. Teach me some endurance. Teach me how to let this thing work, oh God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.